Hello and welcome to Maine Education Matters with Matt and Matt. My name is Matt. And I'm Matt too. So does it still count as Maine Education Matters if I'm doing this from California? Oh, Matt, see, what I was thinking is that we told them, we told them that you were moving to California and whatnot, but see, we're back, we're talking to each other. It must be that we're in the same studio because there's no way to do this kind of recorded one-to-one uh, conversation uh, over the internet. No, it's really in person or just totally online, period. Yes, we, we, could, we, I, we did think about trying to figure out a way to get you this podcast via worksheet packet. <laughs> yes, uh, we thought it would be fairly easy since there aren't many of you listening. Uh, right. Unfortunately, uh, we don't know where all of you live, just most of you. So what I did is uh, on the 95 corridor the other day, I just drove up and started throwing papers out of my window. And hopefully you'll be able to find one of those packets along the side of the road when you're looking at lupins. It's weird because I saw the exact same thing happen uh, as I was cruising the I-5 down to San Diego. I saw papers coming out of a car and I was like, my God, did Matt make it all the way over here to distribute these packets? I, I didn't. Yeah, but that was not me. Some other pod. It could have been my doppelganger, though. <laughs> I think it may have been. I think it may have been. Was it a, was it a person with a long hair, uh, uh, an overly an overgrown beard, and a really bad attitude? Uh, you just described a lot of California in that there case. So, so anyway, uh, Matt, how was the trip? How was the trip across the country? The trip was long and hot, and I would not suggest doing it again. But I'm glad I did this once. How long did it take you? Seven days, 3,700 miles. That's a lot of driving in seven days. I listened to a lot of podcasts. Probably caught all the way up since we've been out. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I, I listened to real. I realized that I have way, way too many podcasts. So I found some in my feed, some old series and stuff. And I'm like, oh, now's a perfect time in this 14-hour drive to yeah. jump on some of these 12-part series. Uh, and then I realize now as I'm looking around still, uh, there I still have so many more 12-part series that I have not even listened to. Yeah. And now, I'm still not driving, of course, because, you know, nowhere to go with coronavirus. Right. Uh, by the way, I just want to let our listeners know the coronavirus is also in California. So people are wearing masks out here, too. That's good to know, because in Maine, it's kind of a mixed bag. Because... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I go to certain parts of the state and around and I see, oh, look, there are masks everywhere. And I go to other parts of the state and there's not a mask to be found. And if you try to put on a mask or you walk around with a mask, you're, look, you look, you're being looked at like you're trying to rob the place. So yeah, it's a, bit, it's a bit mixed right here right now. I do have a nice new orange one that I got from Rising Tide before I left. Uh, so it's got the nice Rising Tide logo with some fishermen on my orange mask. It's really cool. That's nice. That's nice. And it's orange, so they'll see you coming. Most definitely. Most definitely. It's like a, it's not quite hunter orange, but it's pretty close. Sure. Not, so, too, many, not uh, too many hunters over here in Oceanside. <laughs> and, and if there are, just, just run away. <laughs> Please just run away. Not a whole lot of wildlife in Oceanside. True. So what are some of the, uh, so tell it, what are some of the sites, some of the things are memorable from your trip? So you can, you know, let our listeners peel back the curtain, shower us with what, from sea to shining sea, what this country is all about under quarantine. <laughs> well, we did stop at Niagara Falls. 
and I saw a bunch a of, of schools, a bunch of schools around the Niagara Falls area. Um, yep. Update, uh, they were all closed. Okay, good to know. Yep. Uh, then we saw Niagara Falls from the American side because we couldn't cross the bridge because it was closed. Uh, so it was nice. It was nice. A lot of water, uh, a lot of mist, the closer you got. That was nice. A lot of people that were not wearing masks, unfortunately. Oh, in a very a lot, of, a lot of mist. Yeah, a lot of crowded area. It was super hot that day. So, but, you know, not a lot of masks in the Buffalo area. I wonder. And from there, we went to Chicago. And then the next day, we went to Mount Rushmore. And Mount Rushmore, uh, another peel back the curtain moment. Uh, Matt said he was underwhelmed. I, was. I loved it. And not just because of the National Treasure 2 connection. Uh, <laughs> it was awesome. Well, look, anything associated with Nicolas Cage is going to be amazing to start with because Nicolas Cage is himself a national treasure. And... Um, and I know there are some people out there who disagree with him, but I, I strongly urge any of you to go and find the community, the show community. There's an episode where Abed goes in and does a deep dive into Nicolas Cage. Very much accurate because you don't know if he's good or he's bad. You've got to be one or the other, but Nicolas Cage is a bit of both and it can be variable depending on the situation. Really, really, really good. Or really, really, really bad. Um, but yes, I like many Nicolas Cage films. I was underwhelmed when I went to the uh, Mount Rushmore many, many, many years ago, because you get there and you walk up to it and yep, there it is. And I look at it and I said, okay. And then, then I walked away. I was done. I saw it. It was after a 14 hour drive, but I thought one of the best parts was when George Washington started talking to me from up there. Ooh, that happened. I see, I missed that part. He wasn't awake. Yeah. He was taking a nap. Yeah, he was, uh, was kind of chatting it up with uh, everybody there. So, and there was like nobody there that morning. So it was That weird. must be really nice. Yeah, it was really, it was really cool. So uh, as we were leaving, people were starting to wear masks. But then we dropped from there down into the Colorado area and then Arizona, where it turned out to be 113 degrees in Phoenix. It's mild. It's mild. That's what they it's actually said. It's a dry said. heat, though. Uh, that, yep. It's they said if you can survive the first summer in Arizona, then you're pretty much set, is what one of the people told me. And I'm yeah. like, what, what do you mean survive? And they just kind of, <laughs> and then turned their heads. So, yeah, because no, like, you, okay. you don't feel if It's hot, but you don't necessarily feel it until it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> Why is my skin melting off my hand? Weird. Right. Uh, All of a sudden, everything is so dreamy. It was super strange. Uh, but then we crossed over the mountains in California and got to our place just north of San Diego. And it has been 75 and sunny uh, every day. I did wake up the other night because it was raining. And we oh, left some cushions out on our on our little deck. And so I ran out to go get them. And realized that rain that was waking me up was, in Maine, we'd call that a light mist. But it was making enough noise uh, because it literally never rains here otherwise. That was about eight I, days ago. I'll be interested to see how your opinions later on of when there is rain that does come, how people deal with the driving 
in the rain. I have, as opposed to I've wondered, here. I have wondered that. Where, Cause you know, when people in like the South and they get an inch of snow, everything shuts down for a week and we're yeah. like, well, why there's an inch of snow? So what a place mm-hmm. that doesn't get any rain. How do they deal with rain driving? I will be wondering about that, but I do see a lot of the like dry riverbeds and little indentations in the roads for when the floods, floods yeah. do come. Uh, those are really interesting to drive over and see. I believe it, when I was living in New Mexico, they call those Arroyos. Ah, like Luis Arroyo of the Yankees? Don't know who that is. Okay. Again, as I said in a previous podcast, I don't watch baseball because I have a soul. <laughs> Ouch. Well, good thing that baseball is kind of ruining itself now anyway, and it's probably never coming back because they can't figure it out, yet everybody else can. Awesome. And, that, and, that's, so, and that's, that's so interesting to me because – if any sport could do some kind of social distancing, it's baseball because the closest any people are together are like when they're, when they're on the bag together, that's yep. it. Yep. Otherwise it's standing in a meadow for three hours. That's what you're doing playing baseball. So it's why, why, why can't we wear a glove and wear a mask? Figure this out. So baseball and is, one glove is already on the hand. You already have covered with that. It's standing in a meadow. Is, standing is what, in a meadow. It's what baseball is to you. Well, there is a lot of standing. You, you're not telling me you could go an entire game, especially if you're a, if you're a, uh, an outfielder or whatnot. You could go the entire game in the outfield, standing around and have nothing happen. No ball come to you. Nothing happens. So you could be your entire day standing in the sun. That is a <laughs> legitimate possibility that could happen. And when that, that, that's one of the things that, that bugs me. I love, I like watching baseball, love going to a game, getting a hot dog and, you know, a $85 beer or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, but it's, but it's one of those things like, okay, you're just standing around. Yep. And then you run when the ball hits you. The ball's in the defensive side 95% of the game. Mm-hmm. That's weird. It's a very strange sport. It can be. It's weird. It can be. I still like the standing in a meadow part. But again, golf is just hitting a ball and then running after it <laughs> to hit it again and then run after it again. So pretty much most sports are kind of dumb. If you really break them down. So we're 10 minutes into this pod and all right, folks, see you later. You can find us on Twitter. <laughs> we do have three things, specific things to talk about. And then we'll finish up with uh, what we think is going to happen at this point since yeah. we're about two months out from uh, the beginning of school or so. Uh, so the first thing uh, that I see on this wonderful sheet, Matt, is about school budgets in executive order. Yeah, there's been some kind of confusion because I don't know if you're aware, but there's been this pandemic that's happened. Mm. And that's caused a whole lot of ripples and a whole lot of impacts and things. And so um, how do we do these warrants and budget things when everything was so put off and delayed and Budget committees couldn't do it. And so um, on June 3rd, Governor Mills uh, signed an executive order, uh, number 56 for the fiscal year 1920, called an order to further facilitate the state primary and local elections within public health restriction restriction due to COVID-19. Uh, this has five whereases. So already we're in a good start. Love it. And basically it talks about how districts are going to be able to hold their elections. Some things like um, 
how do you do warrants? How do you do voting, et cetera? If you, if you, can you hold meetings? If you can't hold a meeting, what do you do? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of good information, I think. I think Governor Mills has done a very nice job about trying to keep everybody safe in Maine. Trying to keep everybody stay safe and all the, at the same time also know that things have to continue things have to still progress and mm -hmm. how do we do that in a way that is not only safe but makes sense mm -hmm. and um, obviously took a lot of impact a lot of feedback on how to do this and came up with these ways you can it's, it's effective on since june 3rd and i know a lot of districts um, since that point have been figuring out how they're going to do all of the elections especially since the june election was pushed to, to july 14th so Everything got pushed back, um, including the budget year, because the budget year starts on July 1st, and we're not going to have a budget approved until at least July 15th. So those two dates seem to be in conflict. They are. And so it's, that's part of the problem is like, how do you do all this? And that's what that executive order kind of helps with, especially in terms of the voting side. So I think one of the next things to talk about is since we're recording this on uh, the second week of June, there's a lot of graduations that have happened there are over the state uh in the last week or so um my nephew graduated uh on saturday night and i think schools have done a great job about streaming any of these things online uh, let alone wherever it may be whether it's in a parking lot or uh, my nephew was at the airport in auburn from el so they've done some amazing things about how to get, how to still make a celebration and make it accessible for the people who can't show up in person anymore. Uh, and I think they've all done a great job. The creativity has been astounding of how, mm -hmm. of getting the community involved and making it so that we are doing these celebrations. And it's been, it's been wonderful to see the ideas that are coming across streaming or re being recorded because sometimes, you know, the streaming doesn't work, mm -hmm. but whether it's on football fields or on drive-in theaters or in parking lots or in a somewhat of a different way, it's been great to see that the, the districts have been really focusing on saying, hey, you deserve a celebration. You've earned this celebration. We're gonna do, we're gonna do whatever we can to make that happen. It won't look like we've always done it, but we're gonna do it anyway somehow. Just like we've been doing school the last three months or so. We don't know, but we're gonna figure it out. We'll talk about that right. more in a few minutes. Well, yeah. Uh, one of the next things uh, is a priority notice that came out from the DOE. Obviously, there's this is like the big story other than coronavirus is uh, the murder of George Floyd. Yeah, it's like story like number priority one and one A. Yep. On every single newspaper uh, everywhere. Uh, it's the only thing blocking out the coronavirus right now. Yeah. And... I'm not sure if this is a tipping point, as it were. I hope it is. Uh, but the, the DOE has put out a prior, priority notice that is entitled Our Commitment and Shared Resources to Combat Racism. It's, uh, it, it's another example of the Maine Department of Education, I think, really stepping up in the moment. Um, they've done so with this whole COVID-19 pandemic and seeing what happened with George Floyd and the international reaction to it to say enough is enough um that black lives matter is 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 
something that we should believe in our core and our hearts. And they say it in this first paragraph, mm -hmm. quote, we affirm with you that black lives matter. That's an important statement for a department of education to make Agreed. that yes, of course, people, all lives matter. Of course they do. But I heard this story or this parable or metaphor, but you know, there are nine, there are a hundred sheep in a field and one sheep gets out and goes missing and is in danger. So the shepherd goes out and tries to help uh, support and give help and whatnot to that one particular sheep. And matter two, but one is in real need right now. So of course they all matter, but right now black lives matter because they are under more strain, under more um, da literal danger mm -hmm. than I will ever know as a straight white male. I'll never, I'll never be able to truly understand what they're going through. They need the support. And I'm so glad to see that Maine Department of Education is stepping up um, to make those things, uh, to make that statement as well. Totally agree. Totally agree. They have a great list of resources at the end of this priority notice that I would encourage people to uh, take a look at uh, slash read. Uh, not just yes. kind of skim over it, but uh, they have a lot of uh, things about self-care and activities and books and books for the classroom. A lot of great stuff here. Uh, as you said, right at the top of this one, uh, another example of Maine DOE stepping right up to support people around the state. Yeah, and it's a great opportunity, especially as you and I are kind of curriculum people, uh, to really look at the both explicit, but also mostly the implicit bias that it exists within our curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, and our, the way that we teach. And it's a great chance for us to really do that kind of level of inner reflection as to what is it that we're teaching? How are we teaching it? And to what extent is it um, really bringing in that full perspective? Totally agree. One more thing about uh, the DOE. Uh, they yeah. have another thing out about innovative educators being sought for main learning modules. Yeah, so right now, as, I, as I've actually, um, I'm going to be part of this team, um, but there are over 400 main educators who are participating in, I believe, in this thing. And what it's going to be is pre-K through 12, all content areas, going to be looking at creating some exemplars, um, some opportunities, some uh, resources uh, for remote learning that we can just create and build so that um, people from across the state, teachers, wherever you are, can access a pro their project-based modules that are gonna be created. As they say, quote, to ensure that the learning is synthesized across traditional subject areas and learning experiences that are designed to be mutually reinforcing. One of the things that, and we'll talk about this in a second, I'm sure, that I saw a lot of great stuff happen when we went to emergency learning. Um, we really, like we said before, Apollo 13 the heck out of it all. But there is something that's gonna be different in the fall because a lot of what happened in the spring, this particular March was that we took a lot of what we already did and then just kind of digitized it. Yep. It's like taking, um, I'm writing a p on a piece of paper with a pencil and now I'm using Microsoft Word. It's just digitizing what we already did. Mm -hmm. And one of the th things that I think we're, that we're hearing and seeing and students are, and teachers are reflecting on is that that's not really going to work for long term. Right. That was a good emergency, but it's not long term. And that's mm -hmm. what DOE is saying here is 
what can we do to build some modules to show these are the kind of things you should be doing. Students should be learning. Teachers should be building in their curriculum and in their classrooms to provide really effective remote learning experiences going forward. Who knows how long this is going to last? Right. And I, I think that does lead us into our next discussion of what the fall is going to look like and what we can hope for. I do have one complaint about this, this particular uh, priority notice. I guess it's or press release, not 100% sure. I think, well, I know that uh, Beth Lambert is a listener. And hi, it's, hi, Beth. It says at the end, specifically, participants must be Maine educators, and Maine is underlined. I'm guessing that was aimed straight at me because yeah. I'm now in California. Absolutely. You are no longer a Maine educator. They knew this was coming. When was this sent out? This was uh, sent out. Uh, May 27th. Uh, May 27th, which was three days before I landed in California. Yeah, so you were already on the road. So they clearly had heard us. They clearly had heard our podcast, knew you were leaving, yep. and then said, we're not letting him back in. He's already and, out. And I'm going to say, Beth, if you wrote that part, uh, I totally understand. You, and you made the right choice. I 100% agree. 100%. So thank you, Beth. Um, so let's lead into the, <laughs> into the fall for this. Uh, I think they are prepping us specifically that we're not coming back to school in any type of normal fashion, uh, whatever normal used to be like uh, in the before times. It's, <laughs> the it's before just, times. it's the before. I heard that somewhere like right at the beginning. I was like, oh, that is perfect. Uh, things are different. And things- it's so true because things are going to be completely different. This whole thing has changed how we're going to do it. Hopefully how we do education. Well, let's, uh, that's the thing. Hopefully, uh, I was talking with some other educators this morning, and saying that, you know, if if we just think that things are going to go back to normal, uh, things weren't no things didn't work then. That's right. just what we always did. And now that we've had the experience, we've all had the experience of doing some emergency remote learning, be it learners, be it parents, be it teachers, especially, uh, and being successful at it mm -hmm. in, in fits and starts, but people are finding things that are successful that they never would have thought they'd been able to do before. And, and now I'm talking about learners also. They, how, how would learners ever be able to do remote learning and want to do it in the before times when they didn't really have access to it? And now that they right. have, they're finding ways to make it work for them. So I think it's, again, it's an opportunity for us, but if we are thinking that school is gonna go back to normal anytime soon, even if it's like, well, you know, if we have like a month delay or so and then come back and everything's gonna be fine on October 1st or so, it's like, we're just kidding ourselves. I, I, I think so too. It seems to me that we need to hope for, we can all be back in person and take the lessons that we've learned from this understanding and we said this in a previous podcast that i think when i think that one of the best things this is doing is showcasing what true differentiation really is mm -hmm. that that this that we've been doing it in fits and spurts and kind of doing it and saying we're doing it but to what extent are we really differentiating for the needs of, of all of our learners this right. is teaching us that no no we've got to look at every kid every situation individually and that's really hard but it's doable 
it's doable. So I think we, if we, the, we can hope to go back and bring those lessons with us because there's nothing like being in a classroom with a bunch of kids and having a fun. That's a great experience. That's Absolutely. one of the things that all teachers just love. And that's one of the things that I've seen is most heart-wrenching about this situation is teachers who were planning to retire were just up and gone. Yep. You know, the year was gone. They didn't get to say goodbye. Teachers crying because they couldn't say the proper goodbyes to their kids. And that's heart-wrenching. Yep. Because they care so damn much, which is what I love about it. Yeah. Um, so we bring that back. We also bring with ourselves the lessons that we've learned that we can do to really connect with our families, right. with our communities, with the learners in many different ways. I think it's a way we to hope for that. I think it's a way to really talk about equity the most is that we, I think we are realizing now that making those efforts to connect with people over the past three months or so and really getting, getting them to, to be online or learning or at least just connecting and make sure they're safe and okay. Uh, we may not have been doing that as much in person as we would have liked. We would, we think we do, but I think this exposed a lot of the things that made our schools inequitable. And now I'm hoping yeah. that some of these lessons, as you, as you say, will go with us uh, whenever we do come back to any type of, of learning. One stat I did want to mention that I was talking to somebody from San Diego County did a survey of their parents a couple of weeks Southern ago. Maine, right? It's in Southern Maine. Yes. Okay. Uh, the Southern part where, you know, nobody goes there. Um, no. They were saying that 40% of their parents did not want to send their kids back to school in the fall. If school 4%, was, that's pretty low. That would be 40%, four zero. Oh, oh, oh. So if there's oh. a, any type of in-person oh. learning, those kids aren't coming back. They still want to go to school and they still want to, to do the things right. they've been doing, but it will have to be remote because they don't want to send their kids back to the germ factories that are our kids in September. Because right. it, it's this is, terrible. Right, this is gonna be, I, I think this is the biggest challenge, challenge facing our teachers and administrators today. We have, the, we have the health and safety side. We have the PPE. And all, there's a lot of things. But in terms of how to manage this situation where you're going to have, if you decide to do, to bring learners back in the school, one, we know right now there's no way you can get them all in. Yep. We just don't have the facilities for that. You can't, we just don't have that capability. Like physical capability. We don't have the space. So say we're bringing in a third of the time let's be optimistic and we can say that much we have to be planning for simultaneous in-person and remote which includes both synchronous and asynchronous learning at the same time mm -hmm. and how are we going to do that when the kids at home are going to be in such different home situations that they may not may not be able to connect synchronously because for example, I've, I've used this example before or said it or talked to some people recently about this. A teacher told me that um, she had some kids who their, their teachers, two teachers had their um, classroom meetings set at the same time. And they were in different buildings, so they didn't really talk and connect that. But the Wi-Fi and the broadband connectivity for that in that place wasn't good. You could only do one Zoom meeting at a time. 
So who loses in that deal? Right. Which, you know, do they have to do like rock, paper, scissors to figure out which one of the kids gets to do live and which one gets missed out? That's going to be a real challenge that districts are going to have to really plan for. If you're going to do synchronous learning, okay, but you can't do it at, if, if, if there are potential where you're going to have multiple kids from multiple families, it has to be a standalone. And yeah. That's going to be really hard to schedule because we can't, we can't, we can't just do a, all right, well, you're in person and we're going to give you the really one-on-one smaller group intensive learning that we can do now because there's fewer of you. Great. And you at home, here's a packet. Here's a bunch of worksheets to go work on for the next six weeks. Yep. We'll call you. Don't call that, us. Again, I'm not that, saying that's what happened. No, but I but it could happen if it's let's say that we don't I'm go back. A, I'm painting a picture here with words. Let's say we don't go back to school at all, and it has to yep. be some type of new learning for a year. Those, which is a completely legitimate possibility that everyone needs to be thinking about. We cannot do school the way we think we used to do it and replicate that online. We just can't do it. We just can't do it. And I think hopefully let's put, hopefully the last three months have shown us that uh, the way we used to know school is dead and gone. And we need to think about a new way to do it. So, so folks, come on into, into the mat, into the mat corner here. Cause we're going to give you some, some tips. We're going to give you some, I'm going to give you some, some ideas to think about. Um, project-based, problem-based, or inquiry-based learning modules. Think in those terms. Look at your existing curriculum. And then how might you shift those into problem-based, inquiry-based, or project-based? Make them get away from the task-oriented stuff and make them more broader, flexible, accessible. Um, and that's, and that's, you can leave my corner now. Goodbye. That's it. I think Make it I, that. I think you're absolutely right there because a that helps with it not being synchronous. Kids mm-hmm. can work on their own and have check-ins when they need to. Uh, and if it's inquiry based, they'll be working on things that they are interested in around yep. the standards that we want them to learn. Correct. And the more we involve the kids in what those projects or whatever you want to call it, uh, whatever they are, if you involve the kids more, they'll be more engaged because they're coming up with some of the ideas around the targets that you want them to learn. And one of the things that this whole pandemic situation has really opened up is that businesses and organizations, they want to help schools. So if you can think of a problem that you want to solve in your local area, there are going to be people, organizations, businesses, industry folks who are going to be interested be like, hey, we will help out with this. We'll help you solve this problem remotely. You know, they've been there for a while, but we necessarily haven't thought of it. Well, now is the time that we can actually reach out and talk to, hey, how can you help? We want to solve a problem of a housing crisis, or we want to solve a problem of, you know, there's, a dish, there's, there's so much more litter happening right now because people aren't cleaning up. And mm-hmm. how do we deal? Or here's a problem. If, if every student and every teacher in a school has to wear a new mask every single day, there's a tremendous amount of waste. How might we recycle or reuse that waste? What can we do about that waste? There's a legitimate problem that, that kids in schools could be working on solving. Absolutely. Absolutely. Get them doing that because they could do that on their own. 
they could do not on their own, but they can do that at home collaboratively. Yeah. With, with support from us, but they don't have to be in a classroom to do those things. No, they do not. That is one of the keys that I think it's going to be where districts are successful or they're not. Uh, if they have to be supervised by a teacher the whole time, uh, that's just going to fail and people are going to be frustrated. Uh, teachers and kids I think and so parents. Uh, we need to do something a little bit different. I think the mindset of if we had an alternating day schedule, like in the high school, if we had that before, we can just maintain that schedule in a remote learning environment. Yep. That's not going to work. It's not going to work. That's it's not, not going to work. work. It's gonna, that, that's better for the teachers or for the adults in the room because it's common for it's, – it's something frequent for them that they're used to. Yep. But how is that going to benefit the multitude of learners that are out there? Yep. I get having consistency. That is important. I get having connection. That is important. But I'm not convinced that doing things the same way we did them in the building, then putting them into remote, I'm not convinced that that's any better. Just like those folks who understand technology integration, I brought this, this example up earlier, using paper and pencil, and then just going to Word, that's not really doing effective technology integration. That's just substituting one piece of technology for another piece of technology. Right. We have to get to that redefinition side. And the challenge is we have to get to it in a very short period of time. But the good news is that we have the time now. We didn't have it before, so we just had to transition right away. Yep. We saw what that did, saw benefits and saw negatives, but detriments. Now we have the time to plan, which brings up, I think, another major problem now. Okay. Summer. Whoa. Sorry, I hit my hand on the desk. That was not for emphasis. That was no, no syllables in emphasis on that one, okay? It was actually, but, but summer is here. And with summer, the people who need to do a lot of this work are going to be the classroom teachers. Yep. And they're going to be off contract. Yep. And so districts are not going to be able to necessarily afford to pay for them to do the work that needs to get done. So this is going to be a really delicate balancing act that districts, administration, teachers are going to have to play going to have to navigate their way through of how do you do all this work when you can't necessarily pay everybody, but it's got to be done. Otherwise we're going to be back in the same situation we were in in March. If you have updates for us listeners about what that looks like in your district or your area, please let us know. And, Love to see uh, and yeah, definitely share with us. I know some districts uh, are in like professional development days right now. Yep. I know some have split to the beginning of next year also. Uh, yep. but that's still like the middle of June to the middle of August is still basically, uh, you know, nobody's around. Right. There's so a tremendous that, amount that's of tough. If, if so much of what we're talking about is, is a mindset shift, it's shifting from the way the curriculum used to do things and then moving it to like a project or inquiry based module. That's a huge mindset shift that doesn't happen over two days of professional learning. Right. It doesn't, and so it takes time. It does it take takes time. Thought it takes, it takes practice and iteration and design, and that's going to be one of the biggest challenges that I see districts facing over the course of the next few months of, of 
it's going to, it's, it's, it, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't have a good answer for it because I don't know if there is one, but I just, yeah. I foresee this being one of the biggest challenges that, that districts are going to face. So I think we'll be talking a lot about what people are successful in doing and some of the failures that, that are not working. Yeah. Uh, share failures. We want to hear those too. Yeah. Most definitely. Because, because everyone's learning from each other. And so there's, I don't think there's any really wrong answers. Try every, let's like, like Shakira said, try everything from Zootopia. So is I, that like standing in a meadow? Because I don't know, I don't know anything about Shakira or try everything, try everything or try anything. I thought it was try everything. I just know that our hips don't lie. They don't. It might be try anything, but I think it, I think the, the the message with that was try everything. I think if listeners know what the hell Matt's talking about, uh, tweet at us at yeah. Main Ed Matters, <laughs> or on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Main Education Matters. <laughs> and if legislation ever comes back, uh, maybe you'll have some co-hosts. Where are we on the co-host? I've gotten a couple of requests, people who say like, hey, have you heard from anyone yet? Anyone signed up to, to be a thing? And no, not yet. So what I, what I, I don't think a, a consistent co-host will be what's going to happen. So I think what it's going to have to be is it might have to be something like, here are some bills coming up. Here are some general topics. And then I'll bring some people in who have, who have more expertise or are leaning towards those topics who can shed some light. That sounds like a bit. fantastic plan. I keep thinking in terms of like like a, like one of those Sunday news shows, like a Meet the Press. So I'd be like the Chuck Todd, and then would be bringing in a panel to talk okay. about legislation. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds I don't good. Know. I would have gone with. If Tim anyone Russert. wants to be on panel, yeah, be on a well. Basically, we've told before anybody who's that who's gotten in touch with us about anything, uh, you're on the list. So, you're on panel. Yeah, you're on the panel. We just don't know when. Yeah. By the way, for the, anyone who was on that uh, 100th episode who got who called in and just completely interrupted our show, yeah, you're going to be on panel. Yeah. You, you've, 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 you're on notice. <laughs> if yes. we've interviewed you at all before, including you, Commissioner Macon, you're on panel. You're on the panel. You're on the panel. Uh, with that, I think we're, we're done today. All right. Hey, hey, Matt, enjoy California. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you.